We have, in the last two weeks, and this will be week three, uh, in a sermon series called Undo. And we have been looking at some different topics, because let's, oh, let's face it, we all have things within our lives that if I were to ask you, what is something that you would love to change about you? Instantly, something could probably pop up into all of our heads, right? And all of our thoughts, ah, oh, you know what? Maybe I get anger too quickly. Maybe it's my patience isn't there, you know? Uh, whatever it may be, I kind of shared a short story with you about my own life of something that I had with my kids for the last two services, so I might as well just open up with the same story here this morning and remind you that you have an imperfect pastor, okay? But uh, about three weeks ago, my little guy, uh, Carter, who's now eight years old, turned eight yesterday, all right? Yes. I'm just waiting for that maturity to kick in. It hasn't yet, but I'm sure it will happen sooner or later, you know what I mean? And uh, so he, uh, he's part of our Wednesday night kids ministry here at the church, and uh, they had a Bible verse that they were supposed to memorize, and if they all memorize this Bible verse, they are going to receive a pizza party. I mean, when you're eight years old, who doesn't want a pizza party, right? Yeah, we want a pizza party. And... Um, so, you know, that week we're, we're, we're sitting around and one evening he's like, Dad, um, that, well, he calls me Daddy. Don't you love it when they call you Daddy, right? It's when they get to Dad, the, the E part goes off. It's like, it's killing you, right? Right there. And uh, so he comes up to me, he's like, Dad or Daddy, you know, I, I need to memorize this scripture. You want, you know, let's, let's you know, pretty much he's saying, let's work on it. And I had a lot, th lot of things going on. I had a ton of stuff happening. We've all been there. Life's busy. Schedules get crazy, do they not? All right? And even as a pastor, sometimes we fall short of the glory of God, especially in this moment. And so he comes and he's like, Daddy, we need, I need to work on this. And I go, well, son, I don't have time right now. I'll get to you later on. Well, as you know, later sometimes just does not happen, does it? Sometimes later on never really exists. And uh, so later on came and went. And that Wednesday night after church, I'm out here in the lobby, and his teacher decides to come up and approach me, Mrs. Stacy Silverman, who does a fabulous job with our Wednesday night kids. And she comes up to me, she's like, Pastor, I got to tell on you, because Carter came up to me when I said, who memorized your scripture verse? And he rose his hand and said, my daddy doesn't have time to read the Bible with me. <laughs> that hurts, you know what I'm saying? Needless to say, that's a pastoral and a parental fail all the way around. So we all have things that we would love to undo. That's definitely something in that moment I felt about that big. And I was like, oh, if I could go back to that moment and work with him on that scripture, that would have been fabulous. But what are some things that Jesus would like to undo? What are the things that grieves Jesus' heart about our lives? You know, the first week we looked at spiritual indifference, okay? We looked at what? Spiritually we go through mediocrity. We're just, let's just face it. Sometimes, we're, what are we doing? We're going through the motion, right? It, we, we, we can go through the motion spiritually, can we not? Get up, going to read the word. Walked away from it, what did you learn? Probably nothing in the moment, you know? Because why? You're going through the motion. Having the time of prayer. We have so many memorized prayers, do we not? You have a routine for your prayer that sometimes it just comes out and there's really no meaning behind it. You're just doing it because it's the routine. Our prayer life sometimes can what? Become mediocre, can it not? 
And so we go through these things. And so we were challenged of how can we improve that? If Jesus could undo something within our lives, he would undo that spiritual indifference. So that why we have that passion again. We're going after him. And man, you know, there's nothing getting in the way that I'm going to take the time to make sure that I get something out of God's word that day. I'm going to take the time to make sure my prayer is genuine and authentic to where it's not just routine. So we looked at those different different aspects of our spiritual walk. And then week two, last week, we looked at the spiritual aspect that I think Jesus would like to undo inside all of us, and that is simply this, the hypocrisy. Looking down at one another so simply why we can feel better about ourselves. Let's face it. Have you ever met somebody that's just become so negative over everyone else but never really seems to point out the problem in their own life? Typically, that's because they're going through situations and they're trying to get the guilt off of them and throw it onto somebody else. Jesus doesn't like that spiritual hypocrisy within our lives. He doesn't want us pulling others down. In fact, he really challenges us to do a self-examination daily within our lives. And there's a scripture in Psalms that says this, what? Search me. Search me, O God. Find out those anxious, what, anxieties, those things with inside of us that what must change. I challenged us by saying, what if we allowed ourselves each and every day to start our day off and go, God, search me. There's some stuff in this temple that does not belong. There's some actions that are coming from us that aren't clean, right? Speech that's coming from us, it's not appropriate, you know? So we need that in within our lives. So this week, what we're going to do is what I think is something spiritual that Jesus would love to undo within our lives is this, spiritual pride. Jesus would undo the spiritual pride where we are finding value and our meaning in ourselves and what we accomplish and how we compared to others rather than finding that we're, what we're supposed to in Christ. What does that mean? What, 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 what am I getting there? It's, it's talking about this. Well, look at my life. Look how great things are going for me. You know, I've got everything working out. And have you ever met, you know, have you ever been that person before? Where you're, you're, you're talking yourself into a moment of feeling great about yourself, even though there's some things within your life that's not so pleasing to God. I believe spiritual pride. I believe pride is a massive downfall within the society, the world that we're living in now. I mean, you take a look all around and everything, you know, you look on what social media, Instagram, Snapchats, Facebooks, you look at all these different things and what is it? Look at me. It's all about me. Look how I'm dressed. Look at my label, my clothes. Look at the type of vehicle that I'm driving. What are we allowing? We're allowing pride to come in. And really what it's trying to do and what we are trying to do with it is to simply fill a void within our lives so that we can just be pleased with how we are living. But we know this, that happiness, when it's not Christ-centered, only lasts for a season. It only lasts for a few moments within your life to where you find yourself right back into the same place again. You know, I want we understand that the joy, joy truly comes from Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. The joy of the Lord is what? My strength. That, what does that tell me? That means everything that I may be going through in my life 
even though it may not look pleasing to my natural eye, even though it might look impossible staring me right in my face, I can still have joy because of who? Jesus Christ. You know, the one thing that I find so much, the word I'm looking for here, I guess so much joy, I guess would be the correct way to say it, so much enthusiasm, so much excitement in my life, even when everything else is going bad, is this. Paul tells us that our life is only a mere vapor compared to what? Our eternal existence. Understanding that the problems and the situations and the letdowns and the difficulties that we're going through here is only for a short period of time compared to your eternal existence. So we're going to look at a story in Luke chapter 18. And, and, and I'm going to give you a little heads up before we get into it. But it's one of the most loving things that you can do for another person is this. Is to look them in the eyes and tell them the truth. Have you ever heard the term that truth hurts? Sometimes it does, doesn't it? Some, you know, I've, I've prepared myself many times throughout the last couple of weeks because we've had a building project here. And that building project, as you came onto the property today and, and over the last week and a half, you've probably noticed there's new paint on our building. We changed up the color scheme. And I've gone to some people and I was like, well, tell me, what do you think? In my mind, I'm going, why in the world, Kevin, are you even doing that? Because you may not like what you hear. And the truth might actually hurt, you know. But we need to hear the truth. Now, I haven't heard anything bad yet, so don't tell me anything bad either, okay? But we need to hear the truth within our lives. We need the truth what's spiritual. We need the truth. Obviously, we're getting it through God's word. But we expect to hear truth because I believe when you get an honest response from someone, it's not that they're being critical, but it's a challenge that's being set before us on how we can change and become a better individual. Now, we're going to look in Luke chapter 18, verse 9, and Jesus is telling us a story. He's telling us a parable about two guys who go to the same place, and they're going for the same purpose. Two guys. One is a Pharisee. We could kind of contemplate that he's the good guy. The other is a tax collector who most would consider as the bad guy, and they're going to the temple. This is what we would consider as a church, the visible presence of God, and they're going there in order to pray to God and, and to Jesus. And Jesus tells us, you know, in this story that one of the men leaves and one of them doesn't. But it's not going to be who we think it is. So let's go to Luke chapter 18, starting there. And it says, and he also told this parable. Parable is simply this, a story that's intended to teach, okay? But it says, and he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves. And what did they do? They were, their hope was in themselves. They put their faith in themselves. Why? Because it says that they viewed themselves as, watch this, as that they were what? Righteous. In other words, I do the right things. I'm right before God. And because they viewed themselves as being righteous, it says that, and they viewed others with contempt. In other words, they, they viewed themselves as Look at me, look what I'm doing, look what you're not, shame on you. All right? That's, that's what that boils down to. Looking, look, I go to church, I'm a leader within the church, I give to the poor, I do all these things, Thanksgiving I help with the meals that we give out, boom, boom, boom. And what are we doing? They're just listing work after work after work after work. Now we understand this, that our works will not, what? 
will not get us to heaven. The only thing that gets us to heaven is simply this, a relationship with Jesus Christ. The word says, Jesus plainly says, the only way to the Father is through who? The Son, all right? But works are also intended for the church to be a part of, why? Because once we are part of the body, once we have given that relationship over to Jesus, then it is our responsibility to be a light into this world. Am, am I correct? Absolutely. Amen, Pastor. All right. Let's continue. Verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other as a tax collector. So Jesus is speaking to a specific audience. And this is what he's saying to them. Two men went to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other tax collector. So you have a Pharisee, which we would consider right now in this aspect of the story as the good guy. He was a respected leader. There were 613 laws in the Old Testament, and it was his responsibility to remember them and to follow them to a T. So he was respected within his community, and he was what many would consider as a Bible teacher, as a pastor perhaps, all right? So he had all of this going for him. So now here you have the Pharisee, the good guy, and now we come up upon the tax collector. So if the Pharisee was the tax collector, or the Pharisee was like a pastor, excuse me, or a Bible teacher, who was this tax collector? Some translations say that he was a despised tax collector because he didn't just collect taxes for his government, but he collected taxes for the Roman Empire that had come in, conquered the country, oppressed his people, and he was funding, or they were funding, an expansion of the empire throughout their part of the world. So in other words, this guy really, in some aspects, would be considered as a traitor. All right? He's tax collecting for the Roman Empire, who is oppressing his own people, and he's collecting the taxes to give back to the Roman Empire so they can continue to grow and to become stronger. While he was doing that, He's taking it a step further and collecting even more that was required. Why? For his own wealth. So here you have, so now you get a little picture of this guy. This guy was wealthy, all right? So you have the Pharisee whose job was to memorize 613 different laws within the Old Testament and to do everything he could not only to memorize them, but to live by them to the T, all right? He would be the one that would be considered as this. Look at me. Look what I'm doing. Look at what you're not doing. Look at me. Look what I've accomplished. Look what you're not accomplishing. Then you have the tax collector who is the enemy, obviously. He's not looked upon. We see another story in the New Testament of that of, what, of who? Zacchaeus himself, correct? But here we got this tax collector who's going around and, and the Roman Empire is oppressing his people. And, and he is collecting taxes to continually strengthen the Roman Empire. And there's a reason why I'm drawing on this so heavy here. Okay, bear with me. And he's collecting all of this money to continue to further what their plan is and what they want to do. And while he's doing that, he's making sure that he's taking care of himself also. So what? He is extremely wealthy. So they go to the temple, they talk to God, and this is what happens. You have the good guy, the bad guy, all right? Verse 11, the Pharisee stood 
and was praying this to himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this what? Tax collector. Verse 12 says what? I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. This guy was pumping himself up. Was he not? Look at me, God. I am the perfect example. I'm doing things by the book to the T. And that might be so, but what a rotten attitude. What an attitude that is self-absorbed. That is not selfless, but what it is selfish? We see a lot of things that are mixed up in this story that we can truly, in some aspects, kind of take a look at our own personal life. Things that we are allowing to be a part of our lives. How are we looking at people? We do this and don't even know sometimes that we're doing it. Well, you know what? At least I go to church. At least when that, that offering bucket is now being passed through, by the way. Some of you, you know, I had one person go, Pastor, I uh, forgot I gave it in the, in the other box today. That's okay, we collect that too, okay? But look at me, I go to church everywhere. Look at me, I'm helping in a ministry within the church. Look at me, look what I'm doing and look what they're not doing. But God, why is it that their life seems to be blessed and mine doesn't? We get caught up, and I'm gonna get into this in just a moment, but into the, what, this comparison type mentality. The Pharisees said this, God, thank you that I do the right things and thank you that I'm better than everybody else who's around me. And get this, the Pharisee wasn't completely wrong. He had some good things going on. There's no way around that. He was doing those works appropriately. It says by the age of 12, we can understand that he would have memorized, watch this, the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, word by word, not just the name of the book. He would have spent time in God's word. He tried to do what was right in his life. He had good things going, but instead of seeing the good things in his life as a gift from God, he began to see himself as the gift to God. Taking on an entitlement spirit. Taking on, look at me, Look what I am doing. But before we look down at our notice, our noses of this Pharisee, we need to be wise to recognize and acknowledge that there's a Pharisee that lives with inside of all of us. Instead of, God, thank you so much that I get to be a part of a great church every single week. Thank you, Lord. Instead of having that type of mentality, we take on this type of mentality. If it wasn't for me doing what I'm doing in that church, that church would be without. Let me tell you something. God always fills a void where there's a void. When one steps out, there's three in the background. God is training up and rising to the surface. Amen. We cannot get to the place that we are so self-absorbed with our own talents and abilities, that we begin to think to ourselves, God, you need to thank me for who I am and the work that I am doing. When we take on that type of mentality and we allow this spiritual pride to creep in, we have a serious, serious issue. 
We need to stop seeing the good things in our life as a gift from God and begin to see ourselves as not the gift to God. We take on a spirit of entitlement. I deserve what I have because all that I have done. There's three things I want to take a look at real quick. That's not in your notes. You may want to write these down. But the first one is this. Spirit of entitlement, it promises self-sufficiency. We take on this. I've got it. I've got what it takes. I don't need anybody else. Look what I've accomplished. Look at the good things that I've done. It promises self-sufficiency. Secondly, it promises us self-importance. That what? I have value. I live in the right neighborhood. I carry the right bag. I have the right label. My kids are in the right schools. I have the important job. I have value. I serve in leadership positions. I have value because I become self-sufficient and I become self-important. And thirdly, it promises self-exaltation. Watch this. Everyone look at me. When we begin to do things and we're doing them for our glory and not even thinking about the glory to God, then we understand this. We have the wrong attitude. We're not living this life the way we should be. We're not doing, what would Jesus want to undo within our lives? Spiritual pride. Take the pride out of me. Look, and listen to this. As this world continues, it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get harder and harder and harder to steer away from this spiritual pride that I'm speaking of. This sense of entitlement. Look what I have done, God. Look what I have done for you. When we take it on, Lord, this is for my glory and not yours. You might sit there and say, well, pastor, I would never, ever do that. I hope not. But there's times that we are all looking for praise and not giving praise. Looking for acceptance and not giving acceptance. Why? Because we've become so self-absorbed within our lives. Spiritual pride is the inward emotion that leads to outward action that we would never normally want to be associated with. Comparison. Why do we compare? Because it's easier to have value and feel value in ourselves by lifting ourselves up and pushing others down. That is something that Jesus would spiritually love to undo within our lives. Maybe it's not comparison for you. Maybe for you it's the thought that you know what I don't really need is God in my life. Watch this. I'm a good person. I know a lot of Christians, and quite frankly, I'm better than they are. So I don't need God in my life. That type of mentality should take us back to last week when we looked at what the spiritual hypocrisy This is a factor in our lives that Jesus would want to do what? Undo. Maybe it's this, fault finding. We become experts on everyone else's problems and everyone else's faults. Why? Because it's easier to focus on their faults than to allow God to address the faults that are in our own lives. Think about that. I've had people tell me before, and, and I'll be honest, I've, I've been here at one time in my life as well, when you're sitting down and, 
Time to do bills. Anybody know what I'm talking about there? Money's short. Don't want to look at the checkbook. Don't need to look at the balance. Don't like what I see there. I'll just ignore it and keep writing the checks. That's going to be a problem, isn't it? Sometimes the hard truth is what? I need to take a look. I need to see what's going on. I need to see what's needing to be changed. Sometimes the hard truth for us is not finding fault in others, but finding fault within ourselves. God, where am I falling short? Where am I messing up in this thing called life? I got to tell myself this morning, again, second time, with Carter, my son. And uh, Winky knows all about this story. This morning we were in the cafe. And my little guy Carter, he's in there. He's made, look, look, he's got a selfless attitude. He's making a cup of hot chocolate for his four-year-old brother. Oh, that's so sweet. I didn't find it sweet at all. And he's sitting there and he's making the cup of hot chocolate and he begins to, to stir it up and he puts the lid on it. And then he's trying to take them little coffee straws, you know what I'm talking about? He's trying to push it through the lid and through that little vent hole, not through the big hole, because when you do it through that, the straw disappears, but through the little vent hole. And as he's doing it, he can't get it. And I'm standing behind him and I'm like, here, let me help. Let me help you. And he's like, no, I got it. I got it. And so then he goes to take the lid off and he does hot chocolate. And I'm, in my mind, I'm like, what if you would have just let me help you in that moment? And Winky's the voice of reason. It's okay, pastor, I'll get it taken care of. And so we get back into the kid's city room and he's back there with his mom. And I looked at him again and I said, Carter, next time you ask for help, I might've said it with a little bit more of a stern tone. And the tears came running down the face. I no longer looked at his fault and I looked at my own fault. And I said, you know what? There's a better way to handle this. And I apologize and I said, I'm sorry, buddy. You know, sometimes it's so hard for us to find the fault in our lives because we want to ignore what we don't want to deal with. There's things in your life that you don't like about yourself and you've been ignoring it for so long because you know it's gonna take work to get over it. You know it's going to take time and it's going to take patience. But watch, here's what we do. Jesus got to forgive me, so I'll just pray to him about it and say, Lord, forgive me. And yeah, does God forgive? Absolutely. But he also wants to help you in those areas of your life. He also wants to help you and and be that strength to you. Why do you think I harp so much on those spiritual disciplines within our lives of what? Bible reading. Prayer and fasting. Because they're the very things that give us the strength when we need to face those problems within our lives that, go, that we don't simply want to face because one, we're embarrassed of ourselves or number two, because it's going to take a lot of hard work. Do you know anything of value takes work to attain it? Anything of value takes work to obtain it. If it didn't, There would be no value to it. I'll leave that one alone. Maybe it's attention seeking. Hey, everybody, look at me. 
We're more concerned of how people look at us than what the Bible is trying to reveal about our lives and what needs to be transformed in us. You know, I've been in ministry now for about 20 years. You know, by the way, I think it was uh, two weeks ago I celebrated two years as your pastor. I forgot all about it, to be honest with you. But I've been in ministry now for 20 years. And look, I don't have it all together. I'm, I'm very transparent about that within my own life. There's inward emotions that aren't correct that sometimes lead to outward actions. And spiritual pride is something that we all struggle with. We wake up in the morning and we know we don't have it all together and we're not awesome. And we, so we spend, what, more time and energy and efforts in trying to convince everybody else around us that we've got it all together. But ultimately, the problem with spiritual pride is this, number one, in your notes. When we're full of ourselves, there's no room for God. We look at the Pharisee's prayer, and we're going to do that. He's pretty much saying, I've got it all together. I'm better than everyone else. There's no room for God in that, but Jesus offers a better way. Verse 13, it says, but the tax collector, we've seen the Pharisee, but he says, the tax collector, standing some distance away. Understand this. He couldn't even bring himself into the temple. When's the last time you had some guilt like that in your life? It says, but the tax collector standing some distance away, that he was unable to lift his eyes to heaven. Why? Because he was ashamed. Why? Because he wasn't finding fault in others. He was looking at his own life. He was seeing where he was missing the mark. It says, and he was beating his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. He's saying what? God, have mercy on me. Don't give me justice. Don't give me what I deserve. God, have mercy on me because I'm wrong. God, have mercy on me because my thoughts are impure. God, have mercy on me for how I've abandoned your people. God, have mercy on me how I'm treating people. God, have mercy on me for how I'm looking down on other people. Any of this ring a bell within your own life? I love that verse where it says he couldn't, what? He was standing some distance away. He couldn't even find himself to be in the same area as what the Pharisee was. He understood that one thing, and that is if God doesn't intervene in this story, he's hopeless. There is a way for him to make it right under the law. And this is that he would have to pay back every penny he ever collected plus 20% of every penny he had ever made. Who could do that? God, if you don't intervene in my situation, it is hopeless. This is what Jesus says about the prayer in the next verse. He says, I tell you, this man, not, not, <clears throat> excuse me, not the respected Pharisee, but rather the lowly tax collector, this man, went to his house justified. Rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself over, excuse me, exalts himself, everyone who lifts themselves up will be humbled, will be made low, but those who humble themselves will be what? Exalted. 
So number two, when we empty ourselves, we are in the perfect position to be filled by God's grace. When we are full of ourselves, there's no room for God. But when we empty ourselves, we are humble. What? We humble ourselves. When we empty ourselves, we're in the perfect position to be filled up by God's grace. Here's why this is good news. Because some of you have walked into this church today and you've already felt humbled. Maybe it's a life situation that has humbled you. Humbled you. Maybe it's some choices that you have made that have brought humility to you. And you're already saying what this tax collector has said with inside. God, if you do not intervene in my life, I am hopeless. The good news for us is Jesus Christ. What does he want to do? He wants to bring hope. What does he want to do? He wants to bring mercy. He wants to ultimately what? Bring forgiveness. And I love this. This is all we have to do. Number three, when we empty ourselves, we are in the perfect position to be used by God. Humility is about God's glory. How do we do this? How do we empty ourselves before God? I'm going to ask you this one question. When you experience those inward emotions that lead you to those outward actions that you would never want to be associated with, when you have that fear inside of you, when that anxiety builds up in those decision-making that you're about to do, ask yourself this question. Is what I'm about to do going to bring glory to God? Or is what I'm about to do going to bring glory to myself? Am I lifting up God or am I lifting up me? I'll be very honest with you. I go every week. Throughout the week, I begin to challenge myself and I go, God, I need to make sure what I'm doing is not for the applause of the people, but the applause is given to you. We need to ask ourselves these questions daily within our lives. The decisions that I'm making, the things that I'm doing, the actions that are coming from me, am I doing it for the applause of my friendships, my family members, my coworkers, those around me? Or am I doing it, Lord, to make sure that you get the glory and the honor that you so desire and deserve? Because we can understand this, everything that we have is not ours. Everything that God has given is, is just a mere resource that he's allowed and entrusted you to have. You know, pride is about my glory, but humility is about God's. I want you to stand with me this morning. I reflect and I think about the Christian life. And as I reflect about that, and I'm constantly, and we are constantly being challenged through the scriptures, I believe as we accept the challenge that's given to us, this is what God does. It's kind of like an onion. You peel a layer off. And then over time, God begins to challenge us again. And what happens? 
we peel another layer off. You know, this walk that we have in our relationship with Jesus, it would be great if it was Jesus, forgive me, change me, amen, and from there forth, I live a perfect life. We don't live a perfect life. And watch this, God doesn't even expect perfection out of us. But what he expects, what he wants, is for there to be a desire within us that says, you know what, Lord, challenge me daily. Peel back, God, those imperfections. Peel away those things that are not about your plan and your will in my life. Spiritual indifference, Lord, is something that I need you to peel away from me. And when God has worked on us on that, and we've been challenged on that, then we can look at, God, there's another area within my life. And hypocrisy, God, peel that layer off of me. Help me not to look at people in, in such a fault-finding way. Help me not to, to talk about people and, 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 and gossip about them. And, and all. Help me, Lord, to, to live that true life. Peel these layers away. And then... Like this week, we're talking about pride. God, take that pride away. I see that pride in my life. I see, Lord, where I'm comparing my life to other people. I see, Lord, where I'm finding fault in others continually. Lord, I see, God, where I'm looking for the applause and not giving it to you. God, begin to challenge us and, and peel those layers away out of our lives because these are things that, that are not pleasing in his sight. You know, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds. And watch this. And glorify your Father who's in heaven. God has called you. God's equipped you. He wants glory to be brought to his name. But watch this. When we are full of ourselves, there's no room for God. But that's not going to be us because today we're going to be what? Emptying, emptying. God, empty. Get God, get this stuff out. Get this hypocrisy. Get this spiritual indifference, Lord. Get this prideful spirit that's within inside. Lord, cleanse me. Peel back these layers, Father. But before any of us can ever do that, there's a scripture in John 3, 16 that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You want to know what the problem is with the world that we live in is that they're constantly trying to fix themselves without first giving themselves over to Jesus. Self-help how we can diet better, how we can change ourselves and make ourselves into a better person, confidence coaches. All that is great, but it's only good for a season. It's only good for a moment. We first must understand this. We need Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. So the challenge set before you today is this. Do you know this Jesus? Is he the Lord of your life? I want every head bowed, every eye closed. 
And with that question being said, if that's you today, all I want you to do is slip up your hand. That's it. If you want Jesus, I see that hand. As the Lord, I see that hand. And that one, as the Lord of your life, Jesus, save me. I see that hand. If that is you, just slip up your hand. I see those hands. All right, you can put them down. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray this prayer enthusiastically and boldly this morning. Lord Jesus, I love you. And today, I choose to serve you. Come into my heart. Come into my life. And change me, Lord, from this day forward. I love you, Jesus. And I will do my best to serve you faithfully every day of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give God just some praise for that? Amen. Now here's where it gets a little personal for you as a Christ follower. And that is simply this. If you could tell me today, Pastor... I need some help with that spiritual indifference. I need some help with that hypocrisy. I need some help with that spiritual pride. And watch this, there's plenty of things that Jesus would love to undo within your life that I haven't even gotten into. All right, but they're there and you know they're there. If that's you today and you want God to intervene and to build, and watch this, peel back that onion, peel back those layers, slip up your hand if there's some stuff hands all across this room. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, you see every hand that's been lifted to you today. And Lord, we are imperfect beings. We have messed up. We have made mistakes. But God, we're asking, forgive us of that spiritual indifference. Forgive us of that hypocrisy. Forgive us, Lord, of that spiritual pride. Forgive us, God, of whatever's on the hearts and minds of your people today that says, Lord, I need this changed and I need it to happen now. God, begin to work and move. Peel back those layers, God. Begin to equip us in your word. Begin to equip us through prayer and equip us through fasting. Let us leave this place today encouraged and know, God, that you are beginning that process inside of us to make us a better follower of you. Father, we love you. And God, as we leave this place, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name. And the church says, we love you.